Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of Bell and Beyond. I'm so excited for you to meet Elise and Katie today from Your Two Jugs on Instagram. They are hilarious. I'm obsessed with their reels. They're super funny. They're super honest. They're extremely helpful. They refer to themselves as breast tissue experts and they're Melbourne-based osteopaths who have been actively treating breastfeeding women for the past six years. During 2020 lockdown, they launched their company, Your Two Jugs, to educate more women about breastfeeding conditions. Their online video-based course, Boobology, is available now with heaps of education and hands-on techniques to teach women the do's and don'ts for mastitis, block ducts, and engorgement, including preventative strategies for long-term breastfeeding bliss. Now, if you're listening to this and you've ever had block ducts or mastitis, you know that this is an important episode. If you know someone that's gone through that, please send them this episode. I specifically asked Kate and Elise to come on from my own experience of mastitis and also during my own weaning journey just recently, two months ago, I got engorged breast and was on the verge of getting mastitis. And it is literally living hell. It is one of the most horrible things that could happen on your mum journey, especially at the start when you're learning with lactation and milk and you might have a longer sleep and your boobs blow up and there's just so much around it. But I really specifically asked them to come on so we could debunk all these absolute myths that I hate to say the GP tells you and other specialists tell you and they're so incorrect. I think literally within the first half an hour of this episode, we've already debunked like eight mastitis myths. So this is going to be really different content, which you've never heard before. They're going to really explain in detail what mastitis is, what happens when you get a block duct. They're not lactation consultants. So this is a totally different episode to last week's episode with Kate who was from Milky Business, whose really whole focus is around helping with latching and your breastfeeding journey. These ladies from your two jugs are breast tissue experts. So more on the science behind your breast tissue and actually breastfeeding and the ducts getting blocked. So slightly different approach. I'm really excited for you to hear from these ladies that we had actually had a ball. So you're going to love this episode. It's funny. So let's get right into it. From your two jugs, Elise and Kate, welcome. Tell us, one of you first, whoever, a little bit about your famous Instagram. I'm loving your reels and what you guys are doing as well with your consultations and your business. Oh, I love that. I love how you think we're so famous. <laughs> well, we only just um, we only just began your two jugs during the COVID lockdowns last year. We are two osteos in Melbourne. Um, we're at a clinic at Berendara Osteopathy. It's Katie's clinic and I work for Katie. 
And uh, yeah, we, we, we treat boobs. So, <laughs> we do, do. so I had this idea last year. We've been frustrated about how women have struggled with mastitis and blocked ducts for years. We've been treating it for about seven years and helping women learn about their bodies. And basically last year, I think in different ways, people got space to maybe do different things with their businesses and, and do things in different ways to help women. So in our lockdown in Melbourne, we still treated mastitis. And what we noticed was that a lot of these women were really struggling because there was a lot of postpartum care that was missing that would regularly be there. And so your two jugs came about simply from that. We realized there was a huge gap in the education of women and postpartum. They were really struggling with with that. So, And and I think it became really apparent during that time that it's not just Melbourne. It's, yeah. it's, it's Sydney, it's Brisbane, it's yeah. the USA, it's UK. It's like, oh, this is not, this is everywhere. And it's something and it's poorly managed everywhere. And something that seems to be unfortunately niche. So <laughs> it's our niche and that's a really bad thing because then it means unless you live in Greater Melbourne, you probably are going to find it very, very difficult to find somebody like us to help you learn about your breast tissue and how to treat yourselves. Yeah, wow. And like it's this universal thing for most women. Some women doesn't always happen like that. You'd think by now we would have put an emphasis on the two jugs and what women are going through and seen how difficult it can be and seen the rate of mastitis, like surely GPs have picked up that like every single mum that's breastfeeding ends up having some sort of thing. It's like crazy that we haven't caught on to it yet, right? Well, it's funny. I was reading a stat from a journal article that I think was actually quite recent in the last uh, five years or so that stated that only uh, 40% of healthcare professionals know about breastfeeding. and like yeah it, that's crazy right it blew my mind no wonder women have trouble like no wonder women struggle to get good care and there are some wonderful medicos that do understand it yeah there's just a bucket load that have very little idea about the, those issues and the the mental strain that puts on a mum when she's devoting herself to this little baby and then struggling so so clearly struggling with whatever issue is cropping up Mm. so like let's help some of the women out there today the listeners at the moment are singles couples married mums of one two three all sorts stages of life for the mums out there that are yet to embark on their breastfeeding journey or are planning on having more kids and want to go on their breastfeeding journey again with a totally different perspective what's some things you you can share Kate around going into that journey what can we know what can we know now to actually make that better well the good news is that we are all pretty much the same anatomically So there is a consistency to the breast and the chest and the chest wall and how our anatomy integrates together. So breasts have been seen for a long time. Certainly it sort of feels this way that it's been seen as an appendage, not as a 
contributor or a, or a teammate to the rest of the body and they interact at a quite a big level in terms of how fluid moves around the body and how it flows in and out of the breast tissue. So the good news is that because we're all this pretty much the same, we can then learn about this because there's consistency. So we can learn about how this body does interact with the breast, which means that we can impact it. And one of the things that's interesting with breast tissue is it's often got quite, like people have got histories of other things going on in their body and postures and all sorts of things. And all of these factors can impact how your breast functions. And the important thing with breasts is fluid. The important thing with body tissue is fluid. And I'm not talking milk. Milk is the last piece of the puzzle. We need to have healthy breast tissue so that that breast tissue can make milk. And it's the bit before that's missing. And that's what we teach with your two jugs. We teach women about the foundations of their breast, the foundation tissue that then feeds those lobes, the breast tissue, the milk-making sacs. So those sacs are then capable of doing the best job. They can work to their optimised state rather than sort of being behind the eight ball because things are you know, congested in postures, in arms, in in the way the fluid moves around with blood flow and lymph flow. Wow. Yeah, so I think that all kind of ties into like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if you're uh, about to have your first, your second, your third, like boobs change. So it's all, it all comes down to knowing what they feel like prior to even getting pregnant, through your pregnancy, know what that baseline is because when it does come to breastfeeding and then everything kind of happens and the milk comes in and all of that, then you know what normal felt like. I think a lot of us don't even know what normal feel like, feels like. Right. To our hands. Like yeah, actually us, feeling our own tissue and understanding the differences too. You'll feel them and you'll be like, oh, my God, this left one's like way different to the right one. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> They're on the same damn bodies. Yeah, okay, but. Okay, does that give you some ideas as to why then if there's people out there that have had mastitis or blocked ducts and recurrent issues in one side compared to the other, have a feel of the tissue. Mm. See how tight the tissue is Mm. and see if you have that recurrence in one spot, what could be the background reason because all our anatomy is pretty much the same. Why are you getting an issue in one spot? So, yeah, like Elise said, if you know how they feel to your hands, you have more opportunity to understand and feel when something isn't right. Mm. So how can we know if we have got healthy breast tissue? Is there anything like, is that like around food? Is it around massage? Is it around hydration? Is it just anatomy? And like, is there anything we can do to improve it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. The way you improve it, the first thing you need to know is how it's put together. Okay. And if you know how it's put together, this is where our manual therapy skills, this is why your two jugs are so different. We are not the people that we care about how your baby's going, but we don't care about how to teach you how to latch. This is not our world. Our world is being anatomy nerds and then piecing together the anatomy nerdism with how 
to then manipulate that with your hands. That's what our courses are all about. Because mm. we can't just go, yeah, do this. We actually have to show you. Wow. Because if I said, yeah, sure, Caitlin, go away and just have a feel of your breasts and feel what they feel like. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but, <laughs> but where's my reference point? Yeah. Mm. Like, what what do I do with that? That's that's what we do. That's what we do in our consults with our women is go, can you feel how this is different to this? We're feeling for pliability in tissue. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a very tactile experience together. You work with it's all yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay. So it is quite in depth and detailed. Just to switch gears a little bit, because I know we're going to focus quite a little bit about mastitis today. But as we all know, so many women get mastitis. It's literally the most horrific experience. And if you've got a newborn baby or even if your baby is six months or eight months, it's hell. It's like the most sick I think I've ever felt when I got it. And you don't really know what it is until someone tells you. And often by the time you figured out it is mastitis, it can actually be too late and you're really, really sick. And some people actually get hospitalized because the infection gets so severe. I happened to be working with a lactation consultant at the time because we had feeding issues with my son and reflux and colic. And if she hadn't happened to be there and I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel really sick. What's that thing about mastitis? And she asked me all the questions. She's like, yeah, you need to go to the doctor straight away. If you're already getting fevers and flu symptoms, it's already quite progressed. And I was like, really? So like, I had no idea. I felt so ignorant around the topic. So can you share to make you feel better, Caitlin? Pardon? I'm the same. <laughs> I'm this. I had the same experience. I had no idea. It's horrible. I learned all of this stuff after I breastfed both my babies. Not fair. <laughs> I'm that person too, despite what I know now. Yeah, but and every amazing business, from what I've experienced, especially driven by women, came from an experience where we weren't okay about it, and we're like, we wanted to create change. So. That's why you guys are here, which is so awesome. But can you share with us some misconceptions around mastitis and just give us a bit more of a nerd out about exactly what mastitis is, what happens to the body when we get it, just so mums out there can actually understand? Yeah, well, uh, super interesting even before how you said the word infection. I think that is probably... The biggest misconception about it is that it is a bacterial infection. Yes, it can be a bacterial infection, and there are definitely cases where it is very uh, either clear or there's cultures done and and you can find that it is infection. But actually, most of the time, it just begins because it's an inflammatory process. And the way our body reacts reacts to it is that it it really mimics that infection so you do get the fever the joint pain all those things that you think oh no I've got an infection my body's reacting like it would an infection and and the symptoms are the same the same so it's so confusing and it's confusing even as a health professional like I can't sit there and look at someone and say oh, that is definitely a bacterial infection that is definitely an inflammatory response it's not as simple as that but when it comes down to kind of managing it, it, it from the beginning at least, it's much, much the same. 
That's the first one is never sit there going, I've got mastitis, I must have an infection. Mm -hmm. We have, I just read one of our feedback surveys. So we do a survey on our treatments. Women get a survey 10 days later. And I just read one today and she'd gone and gotten the script for antibiotics, but our therapy got rid of the mastitis with her working on herself as well. So she never filled the script. Mm. but she'd been given one. So, and that's, that's really important. There is a lot you can do without antibiotics. And then there's people that really do need antibiotics. And then there's people that are so worried about it that we never deter them from getting a script because that's not our call either. No, definitely not. So, So there's women that just feel so much more security with those antibiotics. We can talk to them about them, give them timelines to Mm. wait, but it's always each individual's personal choice as to what medication or lack or or no medication, whatever choice they they have, that's that's what's important. But, yeah, you do not absolutely 100% need antibiotics for mastitis. No, it's just another tool in the toolbox really and I think a a lot of the – thought process around mastitis like I've got mastitis I need to go get antibiotics right away and yes your GP will generally prescribe that because that's what they do uh, that's what and they think as well like I said before only 40% of health professionals know about breastfeeding so that's their protocol but it's just not the case I think there is so much you can there is so much you can do prior to that and when you understand the Why? process around yeah. it and how it gets to that point and that it will get better uh, you you end up a lot more comfortable around the fact that oh well actually antibiotics aren't the 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 go to they're there if you need them but they're not necessarily the go to it's giving people a plan and the plan is what's so important with that is that we we use it as a time based thing so if we see a woman they're like should I get antibiotics quite often if if it's looking like we can move things and we feel like we can make change in their breast we'll say you know. Maybe hang about for 24 hours. Certainly if anything goes really bad, yeah, absolutely see your GP. But let's just see where you're at in 24 hours and see if you're getting better because quite often doing the right techniques can help women get better within 24 hours. Like they're certainly not completely healed. In some cases they are, but quite often they, they can see that there's a path they're following and it's going in the direction that they want. So the antibiotics end up being a redundant thing. Wow. So This is literally like music to my ears because, <laughs> like, I'm a real, I have to be careful what I say, but I avoid pharmaceuticals where possible at, on all cases. If there's another alternative, I will always take it. But there is this really strong fear around taking antibiotics as soon yeah. as you get my status. And even yeah. when I was talking to someone recently they were like if you have mastitis you can go to the doctor straight away it's an infection you could get really sick you could go to hospital it's really serious and that's when I started to get really stressed and I'm not even like that because it's just so pushed by every single mum woman basically in my sphere I've never heard anyone tell me what you're saying other than I've taken herbs or done other natural things or done the heat and cold compression like you guys said and you're gonna probably talk about that but this is so encouraging and this is like the whole reason I started this podcast was just to keep myth-busting all of this crap that basically puts mums into this constant place of fear and misconceptions around things. And I know you guys are probably like, look, if you don't take the antibiotics, it's going to be a lot better for your gut. 
I'm guessing it could be a lot better for your breast milk. We also refer them to the GP for antibiotics if we think they need them. Yeah, so we've had a place for them. Absolutely. We've had some shocker cases too, like where people have come in and they've had an abscess that's not been diagnosed. And that's us. We're blessed with hands that feel body tissue and have for years. Um, So it's often not difficult for us to pick that up. And that is a case for antibiotics. Mm. Yeah. Like that is. That should have been dealt with earlier. And this poor girl had had a situation. People sometimes have to get them drained. But at least it was detected. You can still breastfeed through mastitis and abscesses. So if any of you out there ever get that and think, oh, my goodness, I'll have to give this up, it's rubbish. You don't have to give it up. We just need to get your body well. And that's one of the other misconceptions with mastitis is that your milk supply is disappearing. Consider it this way. Your body is sick and your brain is clever and it's stopping your breast making more milk, which is just going to make you sicker in this moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Because I guess brains are very clever. If people have that con- perception that it's an infection, they're probably freaking out that the infection's going to leak through the milk and go into the baby, and then the baby's going to get an infection and get sick. I'm guessing that's the thought pattern. Definitely, and I think that's another misconception. <laughs> Still on the topic. <laughs> Um, mastitis is actually rarely in the duct itself if ever it's actually in the breast tissue and at the generally at the skin layer and goes back to that whole inflammatory response 100% I think a lot of women believe that uh, I'm not well I'm going to keep breastfeeding I'm going to pass this on to my baby not at all because it's not in the duct it's not in your milk your milk is fine and I'm so glad that our anatomy is like that everything was to protect the baby hey like when we really think yeah. everything comes back to protecting baby, we might suffer and feel crap, but the baby literally has no idea. They get their milk, they're fine, they feel great. It's just us that has to get through it. Yeah, but it is saltier. Ah. The milk is saltier. So sometimes baby will not really want that milk. So don't worry mm. if baby's rejecting that side for a moment. It's the taste, it's not you. And once that taste returns to being a bit sweeter, it takes around a week baby will be fine. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is just mind blown. I can like almost feel everyone's like, what? How do I not know this? Just a quick ad break, mama. I hope that you are loving this episode. I hope that you're feeling empowered. I hope that you're feeling really well supported in this journey. And it's just, it's just another piece of advice and another tool to put in the toolkit on your breastfeeding slash feeding journey. If you are in fact up to this point, enjoying these episodes, enjoying the content that I'm creating and the people that we're talking to, could you just quickly, while you're listening to this podcast, go drop a review on your favorite podcast app that you're using and just say what you're loving most about the podcast, what you've learned most, what was your bright, amazing light bulb moment, what episode really just drew you into what I'm sharing or made you want to keep listening or actually was revolutionary in your life or created a shift. I would really love to hear any testimonies that have come out of this podcast for you that you've really taken to your family or your friend or shared with others. It's honestly been so wonderful to be in different social settings. And someone was like, I sat down and binged your podcast the other day. That was my favorite episode. 
Someone ran across the room the other day um, at a wedding I was at that I've known for a while in my community, but haven't really got to dig deep with her. And she just ran. I was like, I love Belly and Beyond. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was kind of cute. It was like this little fangirl moment. And I was like, wow, like people aren't really enjoying the content. So I don't know unless you tell me. So I would really love, and I'm such a wind cheerleader, hearing like what's going on in your life type of person. So it would really mean the world to me if you could write that review. And I just want to hear more that's going on in your life and feel free to drop into my DMs over at belly and beyond underscore and just share anything else that's touched your heart. If it's too private that you don't want to share in a review, I'd love to hear about it. Anyway, let's get back into the episode. Let's switch gears a little bit. What can we be doing or what do you help your clients do when they come in with or contact you about or inbox your Instagram and they think that they might have a block duck, aka me, all weekend Instagram you guys. <laughs> I think I'm most artist. And you're like, do you have lumps? Is it red? Is it swollen? Is it this? And I'm like, I don't know anymore. I can't tell the difference. I've hand line. And in the end, ended up having the tray of the freezer at the hotel pressed up against my breast in the bathroom. That was genius. I thought that was genius. I'm like, there's some initiative, you know? Like what else can you do? What's cold in this place? I thought that was brilliant. Great job. But there was nothing in the freezer. There wasn't even ice cubes. It was like there's the the there was something in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> the whole glass tray and me pressing up against myself. That shows you it's about process. <laughs> it actually felt so good. It was yeah. like, I had, I'm going to say that it literally almost felt orgasmic to put that cold <laughs> pressure on my breast because it was so hot and I thought it was going to be really uncomfortable. Like, you know, when you break your arm and you have to ice it and it, it, it's agony to have the ice on it. This was like heaven, like when you duck into the pool for the first time on a hot summer's day. <laughs> so anyway, talk to us a little bit about that because – you said before we they might mass size might have already set in that we might not be able to stop it, but we definitely can be straight on to feeling like there might be a start of a lump or engorgement or the start of that part of the process. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean you can definitely get up straight on top of a, a, a block duct. You can definitely start your your heat packs, your ice packs, your massage, all of that. I think coming down to it it is that time frame thing again as well that I think a lot of women when they come in and they say I just want this gone I'm like totally I get that that is fine (laughs) and it will go (laughs) you will clear this uh it's probably not going to happen in one hit though it's not going to happen in the next hour it is about being uh, on top of it being persistent at it and being consistent with it you know some some block ducks can be really stubborn they can be around for a few days up to a week. Mm. I know no one wants to hear that, but it can be. And there's no need to be Just anxious about, about it. it. Yeah, it will pass. It feels like a lifetime, but they do pass. And yeah. some of the things you can use, like some other tools that people kind of forget about. So we use ultrasound in the clinic, like therapeutic ultrasound, which is mm. different to the ultrasound you would have had when you had your baby scans. That's called diagnostic. So a therapeutic ultrasound, if you've ever had a sprained ankle and maybe been to the physio or the osteo, not many osteos have it, something that we have, again, uniquely pre-doing all of this, just happened to be in our clinic. But ultrasound is a micro vibration tool. 
So at very, very small cellular levels, it can help vibrate around the area. And so if you have anything that vibrates, <laughs> then grab that vibrating <laughs> and poke it off that area. <laughs> And yeah, make it brush. vibrate. <laughs> yeah, or kids' toy. Like there's kids' toys that vibrate as well. There's breast massages. I'm sure you've seen like there's companies that do that. There's an Australian company that does them called Milkmate. There's massages out there that do these sorts of things that you can purchase that sits on your breast. And they can be really useful for other things in terms of helping people get letdowns if they struggle and, and stuff like that. But but vibrating tools are really good to use before you massage. And one of the best places to massage is the shower. If you have nothing that vibrates, use shower water. Mm-hmm. Get the shower water to vibrate the tissue. and Double whammy too. That's got some heat in it. Yeah, so you get the heat. If you think of a block duct, think of it like a globule of fat because that's what it is. It's like fatty milk. It's a fatty thing. Think of cooking. If you had a flat, fatty globule, you'd melt it. Mm. So if you use heat, you might be able to melt some of it. And then as you massage, it might be a bit softer. You might get a little bit further. Mm, wow, that's awesome. Far out. There's just actually so much to know. <laughs> like there is. We, like I mentioned this before, like we literally should have like a whole section of this, like when you're going to these courses at the hospital and we need your courses through every single hospital in Australia. Like this, this is so important. This could like totally change a mum's whole experience of bloody breastfeeding like the thing that it could change and this is where it gets really interesting for us and one of the motivators for us to continue is that one of the biggest reasons for a mum to wean early and that means when before she wants to is so that it's pain and it's mastitis and perceived milk insufficiency and one of the biggest issues with early weaning is postnatal depression So this goes a lot further. There is a really, really strong cascade into postnatal depression for women that wean early. So if you learn about your breasts and you learn how to use them and sorry, how to use your hands, how to use your boobs, how to to use your hands on your boobs and and learn what the tissue feels like and learn there's different strategies for block ducts, mastitis and engorgement. We use different strategies for things like nipple vasospasm. That's something we've been working on trying to see what we can do with it because sometimes the the mum that comes in with the mastitis actually has like vasospasm and we're like, do you mind trying these techniques with us? Do you want to try these at home and give us some feedback? Let us know how you go because those sorts of factors can really help with draining a breast if you're not getting the vasospasm you'll get a stronger letdown because you won't be inhibiting that oxytocin hormone that you need for the letdown so there's lots of little bits and pieces this is one system this body of ours it's not a breast it's a system of making milk for a baby but your body pre-existed before the milk yeah, and I think, and that's as you said before, like what it, what do we say to people when they, you know, they're in our DMs and all of that? It, it is complicated. There is more to it than just you need to do this. It, there's so much around it, and when you are in our DMs, it's we're not trying to fob you off if we don't give you the answer you want. It's just that everyone is different. Everyone is 
bit more complex and it is complicated than just the one answer and that is why we put out our knowledge into online courses because it, if we could just answer everyone in a dm we would we really would we get the benefit in our clinic of actually seeing and feeling for ourselves and in our online courses that's what we require of you mm-hmm. you need to feel it because you're the assessor and the therapist mm-hmm. not us because We can't be everywhere. But if you learn our way, we've taught women for years how to do this. And so many of them successfully never have anything really go wrong again. And we've worked with the ones that have had those recurring issues like seven times, you know, they get this mastitis. We've worked with the women that are a month post mastitis that come in and say, I can't get rid of this congested, well, they don't use that word. That's me. this lump like the lump won't go away Mm. how do you have any ideas because it's just not working like I did all Mm. this and I've still got leftovers yeah we can work with that but you need to learn not us Mm. but we can teach you but you need to watch and learn and use our techniques like a medication don't do it once Do it three times or four times a day and do it for a week and then get back to me because that's how you need to use this stuff because your body has been there a long time before. You might have a bit of history to unravel there. Yep. Wow. I've got this one particular friend. I seriously need her to contact you ASAP. She's a pumping girl like me. Wasn't wasn't able to breastfeed because of her um, daughter. But she ended up having so much milk if she didn't pump exactly on three hours. She would literally get a block duck and she's had to take antibiotics so many times. She's had mastitis so many times and she's now taking medication to wean because she literally gets mastitis. Like it's an extreme situation but I got to get her to talk to you girls because she's I can't do this anymore. Like she's like, it's seriously affecting my mental health and It ends up becoming your whole world ends up just being about block ducks and then you don't even get to just enjoy being a mum no. with your baby. So can people contact you from other states and do virtual consults or do it they have to be in your clinic in Melbourne? We don't do virtual consults, but we put what we would do in a virtual consult in our courses. Hey, that's perfect. what it is. Yeah, that, that, That's your virtual consult. And the good news about that and why it's actually better than a virtual consult is that your subscription lasts for a few months. Great. So you have time to learn. Whereas if you do a virtual consult with someone and you don't remember everything, you're in trouble. You have to book yeah, another one. Women giving us a call like the next day, oh, what did you say about that? Because it's overwhelming. It's a lot of info. Like as we've all just been talking about, there's a lot to it. And we yeah. try and give you as much as we can. Um, and we know that it can be overwhelming and you forget what we say. Um, but that's what's so great about what, what in the courses is that you can go back to it. You can go back to it at 3 a.m. I'm not, we're not going to talk yeah, to you at 3 a.m. that's exactly we're right. right. <laughs> if you wake up at 3 a.m., we're not here. No, <laughs> Um, we we really value your health, but we value our sleep. <laughs> yeah, we value your own health. <laughs> so, so, but that that's why we did it this way. Because yeah, and the other thing is like in terms of numbers and getting it out there. If we did virtual consults, now we have four practitioners in our clinic that treat mastitis. Um, 
And our, our newest course coming out is actually a practitioner course. We're teaching other practitioners how to treat women so that we start getting more people doing this. That's how we, we think we can raise the profile a lot better. If there's yeah, more, wow. we can only approach the GPs in our area. But if we had people around Australia and then potentially globally all pushing the same thing and developing further on what we've produced, like, this, this could be a movement that changes, at least be something in the back of people's minds that when something goes wrong, that there is a, another way that might work out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. There's always another choice. I feel like yeah. sometimes it's forced to feel there's only one answer, one way yep. out, one solution, and it's actually not the truth. And it would save mum so much heartache if they felt empowered with the tools of what to do exactly when they know what's happening and they recognize their breasts have shifted because no one knows our boobs like us, right? Right. Um, That's amazing. I love this. So can you just also quickly touch on, because I feel like I just went through this, so I want to talk about it. Um, And when I searched on Google, I was like, this must be a top search on Google, how to wean and not get mastitis. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really tricky, I think. First rule. Yeah. Don't do it cold turkey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Stop. Oh, my gosh. That'll definitely give you problems. Yep. Oh, I know like sometimes it's, it's really tough, but it, weaning is a journey. And I th- like from our perspective, you know, we're not here to tell you what to do. You do you, that's your journey. Our big thing is breast health. Is breast health. <laughs> and yeah. And, and not, don't, don't go cold Turkey. And if you are, if you are thinking of weaning because you've been having issues with mastitis and, and blocked ducts, and if it's happening over and over, don't wean whilst you have block ducts or mastitis. That's not the right. time to start your journey of weaning, okay? Because all of this stuff comes down to fluid flow and if you suddenly stop that fluid flow, those issues are going to just get worse for you. So yep. the best thing you can do there is let it let it run its course, get better from the mastitis, get better from the block duct, clear the block duct, uh, then start the whole process again. And it is a slow process. It's not an overnight sensation. Um, everyone is different. And a lactation consultant is the ideal person for that. We're, like I said, mm. we're the boob health people. We sit here going, don't do it cold turkey. You need to make sure that you drop feeds. You know, if you're going to drop feeds, it's like every five to seven days, you've got to give your body time to catch up. And this is where people have an idea in their mind and you need to treat your brain like your sister. You need to let your sister know so then she can work it out and stop producing the milk, but she's not going to take your instruction just because you want it to. It doesn't work that way. Your hormones need to catch up with the program and that program needs to be slow to do it safely so that you can slowly wean. And that's the same with weaning off one boob. Sometimes people want to wean off one boob and that's really, that's fine as well because once you get past about, I can't remember the, the actual numbers, but after after about four weeks to six weeks, you start to get independent control of milk supply in each breast. It's to do with the protein in the milk, and as the protein leaves your breast, 
your brain gets a message to refill. Mm -hmm. So the slower that goes out, the slower your brain will refill. Just say your left breast you're trying to wean off. Let's say you've got mastitis, you're sick and tired of it. Damn it, my right boob's awesome. I'm just going to use that one. You've got to do this process slowly on the left side and you can successfully, because it's an independent control, you can keep draining this right breast and it'll continue to feed independently of your left breast. So you can do it that way too if you needed to. Right. I mean, for me it was easy because I was pumping. So, like, I was fully in control. I wasn't dictated by a baby's wanting to feed, not wanting to feed, and I just went down the line every couple of weeks. I was like, I just dropped a pump, waited another month, dropped a pump, waited another month, dropped until I got down to just one pump in the morning, obviously, because that's when they're the most full after sleeping. And then I would pump and then, then I just slowly started to stop. The only mistake I made is I kind of was like, yeah, I made one, you're pumping. I don't have to pump anymore. And kind of forgot to like at least keep hand expressing and keep a yeah. bit of movement yeah. going in the shower maybe each morning for another couple of weeks. That's the bit I kind of stuffed up on. But what I wanted to ask is what happens when a baby just like weans themselves? I don't really know what that, how that happens, but from what girls have told yeah. me that they just pull away from the boob and they're like, I don't want it anymore. They might be one year old or whatever. Is that mm. the same thing mum would need to do? Keep expressing in the shower, keep getting the milk going or? Sort of. So <laughs> definitely hand expressing is one of the most ideal things you can do in the shower because there's no sucking on the nipple. Your brain won't get the feedback to produce more milk. So it doesn't think it's being fed. It just knows that it's being drained. Mm. So, and sometimes one of the ways to do that, so if you're struggling to get your letdown, you can start the letdown with the pump, then stop pumping and get in the shower and express. Mm. So there's ways of of getting around those sorts of issues. If your breast is sore and you want to hand express, but it's so sore to try and get that letdown, use the pump first. Do it the easy way. Get soap. Use nice flat hands, nice pressure. Don't go nuts at yourself. So that's one of the ways that you can that you can get that milk out yep. in a safer way. But you might have to do it multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, I hear that from mums a fair bit actually, particularly towards that end stage of their breastfeeding journey and yeah, maybe Bubs is one-year-old. 18 months, whatever, and they're like, I finally got this kid to not want my boob and I don't <laughs> want to pop the kid on the boob. Uh, I don't want them to think, oh, no, we're back onto it again. And one of the things is when if you do have the mastitis or the block duct, we want you to drain it, we want you to get that to move out. So, yeah, once again, it is back to that hand expression, the pumping. You don't have to put your baby on if you are, if, if they're done. If they're not going to go, that's fine. That's, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness there's just so much which is it's good this is really 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 empowering for women it's showing women there are other ways there are other options you can become a jugs professional a breast tissue professional of yourself now you just brought up one thing Kate which I remember we forgot to talk about and I know you've been pumping all of your socials at the moment is you do not need to beat your boob in massage like you don't and I am so guilty of this I was so freaked out that I had a lump I was like 
I'm going to beat my breast until I get that lump out and I would stand over the bowl and push until I felt that it cleared, which after watching your reels, I'm like, oh, I stuffed that one up and you're like, (laughs) professionals and trust us, delicate. It's a delicate system so you need to treat it delicately and honour it. Don't abuse it. So can you just finish off with today's lovely chats telling us a little bit about how you're very passionate about not beating the booby? <laughs> well, it's, it's a pretty common one because we see girls come in here and they're just bruised and mm-hmm. they're sore. And in fact, we've had cases of women coming in where the health professionals in hospital have been the ones to do the massage and these girls are traumatised because oh. they've just tried to milk this stuff out it's appalling it's really sad but once you teach them how delicate the tissue is these lobes are really small the the actual like if you think of them like heaps of caviar or something like that's what a lobe looks like heaps and heaps of globbed together caviar and those little think of how how fragile a caviar little piece is Mm. like really easy and that's what the breast is like It's this soft tissue. It's delicate tissue, like this little tiny cells making milk and having muscles around them squeeze them nice and delicately. So when you get like a blockage somewhere, you want to think about moving fluid down a tube. Like think of a really soft floppy hose. There is elastic in some of the walls of some of these vessels, but it's little. Mm. So you want to think how much pressure do I actually have to apply to push water down a piece of tube? It's not much. Mm. And you only confuse the issue by being firm because then you're sore from doing the massage. Now you don't even know if you've gotten better. So you're stuck. And that's yeah. it. When when you say massage, everyone thinks, oh, deep tissue sports massage, right? Yeah, like get in there. Yeah, but we're not we're not dealing with muscle here at all. We're dealing with yeah tissue ducts. The the muscle is well underneath there. You do not need to be at that level at all. So yeah, bring it back, ladies. <laughs> Five to ten percent pressure. Try and remember that. It's this is not a knuckle massage. Get yourself some lubricant of some mm. description vegetable oil, coconut oil, water, whatever, like use nice things Mm -hmm. and treat them nicely because you will, you can, you go nuts, you can damage it. Like it'll bruise and it may not recover well. Like I know from my mastitis with my first baby, he was three weeks old and I had one of those 10-day bouts. Like it was horrendous. And my husband gave me a a chair for the shower because I was just fainting all the time. And... And massaging my breast, I mean, I don't even know how hard I massage it just in hindsight, but given the pain, I don't think it was very hard, but I was really like, you got to be nice. It's a really tough time and you only make yourself feel worse and achy, which doesn't help your mental state either. Mm -hmm. So one, it's ineffective. Two, you might damage yourself. And three, you'll feel crap for it. So don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> don't don't oh, be <laughs> that's your new hashtag wow this has been enlightening educating inspiring empowering all the things and of course if babes out there are listening and they want to get your course and they want to learn more about their breasts and know their breasts and the health of their breasts and everything to do with mastitis and all of that, 
they can go over to your Instagram, your two jugs, and of course, click on the link in your bio and go straight to your website, right? Simple as that. Yep. Yep. Love that. So many girls are going to be on there. Everyone needs to know about their boobs, especially because a lot of women these days do have a couple of kids. So like it's invaluable information. Like we're going to need this no matter what on our stage of motherhood. So this is awesome. Thank you, Kate and Elise. This has been so funny. It's so good. Thank you for having us. Uh, I can't wait to get over on the gram and keep watching your wildly hilarious reels. They literally give me life. thank you cheers thank you take care thank you so much for listening to another episode of bell and beyond mama i know you're so busy and your time is precious so i hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters if you have loved this week's episode make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together.